Workday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined as usual on this hump day by JP Ong. And interesting, the markets look pretty humpy too. Um, some up, some down. But I would, I would say overall, this is the smallest hump I've ever seen for hump day. And uh, <laughs> But much like a hump, the Straits Times Index uh, went up and then went down today. Mm-hmm. So we've seen actually that we started the day with, a few, with about three, four points of gains. Mm-hmm. So in the green, and then now these gains... Gains have now been whittled down to just about flat. It's to the upside, but we're practically flat at 3,067 points. And we're right. about one point in the red for 2019. And again, this, I keep on talking about uh, 3,068, which is where we started also. That's the barometer, the marking point for uh, that I look at also. Mm-hmm. It seems that what uh, traders are trying to at least uh, keep the Straits Times Index from doing is to fall into the red even more. So we're down by about a point year to date. But, uh, and, but the, I think the story today is that... There's not a lot of appetite out there for the markets. 415 million Singapore dollars in total value maybe turnover a bit of so fatigue. far. Just a little bit of fatigue. Or maybe just people just saying, you know what, we really don't know what's going to happen next. So we might as well just stay on the sidelines or perhaps or uh, and wait for a catalyst. And it's a similar picture that when we look across the region, yes, there are gains to be had in Australia and in Japan. The Nikkei mm-hmm. 225 is up by 0.2%. And the ASX 200 also in the green by 0.4%. Uh, but they're, they're, they're not spectacular gains either. Even the losses today aren't exactly significant. Shanghai and Shenzhen are both uh, tr- uh, taking, a, taking a half step back, or even, even say a quarter step back. They're both down by about 0.4% each. The Hang Seng, practical, they've lost about seven points, but that's, that's, that's nothing compared mm-hmm. to where the Hang Seng is at the moment. They're at 25,658 points, so they're looking relatively flat. The Kospi, looking like the most adventurous of the major markets in Asia today, they're up by about 0.7%, but that's about it. And everyone's really looking for a catalyst, and everyone's uh, really trying to find what's going to happen next because... Uh, it has been uh, roughly 48 hours since uh, President Trump said that China is willing to return to the negotiating table. I think the markets are now going, and what's going to happen now? China, on their part, has actually refuted uh, or, or has a uh, skepticism. Have said, what? Uh, yeah. What call? We didn't call. You know, or, and they actually said that they didn't do that. But uh, And they said that uh, the U.S. has to repair certain transgressions or certain um, certain damaged relations. And y- you can see that there's a, I don't know, I, I, I hate to fall back on cultural, uh, on, you know, on, on some of these uh, cultural conveniences. But you can definitely see that there is a difference in negotiating styles. Mm-hmm. Whereas the U.S. says, we want to get a deal done now. Seems China saying, no, you've got to repair the relation first. And I think maybe they, they well, need a marriage counselor. I think so. And I guess. Yeah, this brings us back to that uh, that analogy we had the other day where <laughs> I think they're just both coming back to the coffee table after a long <laughs> fight and throwing dishes at each other going, um, I, I'll take back calling you fat if you take back calling my brother a loser. You know, at the yeah. moment. I think that's what's happening with these folks. And if you're looking for any clues from the Fed at the moment, there's not much uh, clarity either from the Fed because we did actually, Reuters actually had a very interesting article today where they looked at the uh, various meetings and the minutes held at the regional banks. There are 12 mm-hmm. regional banks uh, in the U.S. under the Federal Reserve. And it seems that the, that they are, they, the uh, idea or the premise that the Fed is rather split on whether or not they want to cut rates is growing even more because according to the minutes, six out of the 12 regional Fed banks, many of their directors and members at these regional banks still think that uh, there is no need to change rates or, or to cut rates in the U.S. because of a strong labor market and inflation near the Fed's 2% goal. So... 
So are we going to expect a rate cut or not? It becomes a little bit more muddy and hazy at the moment. It's split down the line 50-50. And there's also a former Federal Reserve president, um, Bill Dudley, used to be the head of the the New York Fed, actually saying in an op-ed recently that the Fed needs to counter Trump's... uh, Trump's pressuring of the Fed to cut rates and and stand pat and not do and uh, and actually go against Trump directly because he, he's also saying that you know really the, the cause of all this trade uncertainty that's uh, that's inspiring this call for a rate cut to uh, to to head off any uh, economic downturns down the road is the U.S. Uh, government is the Trump administration now the central bank or the Fed has has actually. Uh, not a, not sided with their former uh, New York Fed president uh, Bill Dudley. They actually said that they've rejected this call, and they said that um, that uh, the decisions are going to be guided solely by its congressional mandate to maintain price stability and maximum employment, and that political considerations play absolutely no role. I think this is the right messaging from the Fed too, in asserting that we're not going to play to these political games. Of course, mm-hmm. Trump has continued to pressure them to give him the, the rate cuts that he wants. But it is a fair point uh, to, to see that it takes a former Fed chair or a former Fed president like Bill Dudley to actually te- uh, encourage his former, his former employers to not play along and uh, not uh, give in to President Trump's uh, uh, clamor for, for the interest rate cuts that he demanded. But the Fed also very cagey in saying, look, this is not a political thing. It's an economic thing, and we will stay uh, dependent on the data. We cannot and will not respond to these political pressures. And I think this is the mar- message of the markets really should really want to hear. I spoke to Jerem Hagley, who's the chief economist for Swiss Re the other day, he also said that he wants to see a return uh, of uh, central bank independence because we're seeing a lot of political forces starting to put pressure and perhaps even attacking some of these monetary policymakers. Well, it's convenient, isn't it, for their own policies? But my, what confuses me, of course, is what does Trump want to get out of rate cuts from the Fed? I think he wants some cover. Because I think it, 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 he, I think he has acknowledged in the past also that there could be some short-term economic pain. He did say that he has to take China to task because of their quote-unquote unfair mm-hmm. trade practices, mm-hmm. even if it means short-term pain for the U.S. economy for long-term gains. But those short-term pains, he's thinking, can be averted if you provide these rate cuts. But, uh, you know, again, I have to return back to that interview I had. And I had a very interesting 15-minute conversation. It's up on our podcast, actually, right now with Jerome Higley. He actually said that the Fed really needs to conserve their ammunition if things get worse. And the Fed, um, and, and it's, and the Fed can't preempt some of these actions. They no, can't preempt. They can't. They, they can't. And, uh, they don't and actually have the magic silver bullet. They don't. And, uh, and I think the, and even though they have a lot more room to cut rates and perhaps pr- provide some stimulus, now is not the time. The, no. the, the time to fire these bullets, and I, I think they're. I, I envision the Fed having a six shooter because they have about potentially six rate cuts they can do, seven rate cuts they can do mm-hmm. in terms of quarter basis points. Um, you know, you want to keep your bullets. Yep. Yeah, for when things, if and when things get any worse, and the Fed is saying that now is not the time because of the econo- the economy in the U.S. is no, still looking it rather look, strong. Yeah, it doesn't look bad enough for another rate cut. It's I, also, and a lot of people think that. Yeah, and it also supports Jerome Powell's uh, comments at Jackson Hole where he said, "Listen, guys." The Fed can only do so much in averting trade war uncertainties because, this, A, this is not under a mandate, and B, we don't have the toolbox to deal with this because nobody's really dealt with trade war uncertainty. And the word uncertainty also, I mean, you don't know if this is going to work because of, uh, because of all, the, all, all that's happened. And, uh, and 
I think this, uh, regardless, all of this back and forth isn't helping clarify anything for the markets as they try to find some direction. But I think a lot of folks are actually deciding, choosing to stay on the sidelines at the moment and not contribute to things. Any gains that you're seeing or any losses you're seeing right now are rather minute and rather cautious, either up or down. So it's a very light shade of green. It's a very light shade of red. I actually think that a lot of investors would feel a little bit of emotional fatigue right about now. Mm, It's possible too. Okay, I I want off the roller coaster for a while. Yeah. We can, I mean, I think I think it's it's fair it's fair to ask that. But I think it's also uh, folks saying, look, until we get some clarity, we're not going to move too much. Mm-hmm. Maybe inch a little bit to the left, maybe inch a little bit to the right. That's uh, can you blame them? I mean, Absolutely there's just not. nothing there. there. So. so then today's question will be, how are gold prices doing? How are gold prices doing? And that's the interesting thing too. When I look at gold prices today, they've actually taken a bit of a step back today. And so I they're think, under uh, yes, fifteen hundred. They are well. We're still above fifteen hundred, but we're down by about 0.4 percent. So we've we've shaved about six, about seven U.S. dollars per troy ounce. So we've taken a step tickle. away from sixteen hundred. Uh, we have taken a step, a half step away from sixteen hundred today. Okay. But uh, I think it's also because we're seeing a lot of uh, investors starting to flock back to U.S. yields mm-hmm. at the moment. And we're see, we've seen naturally that the U.S. ten year has fallen even further below it to about one point four percent, and that makes the premium that the Singaporean ten year yield has over the, its U.S. counterpart even wider at the moment. We, we do know that they're, they're preparing for an, for a, uh, an auction of 10-year yields today. I believe it's today, actually. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what kind of demand there is. But in, a, in an environment where you're seeing a lot of these uh, major developed countries trading in zero to negative yielding territory, um, fair to point out that the sovereign bonds and sovereign bonds specifically in Singapore are looking rather attractive vis-a-vis uh, some of these other counterparts. It's only in Singapore and the U.S., it seems, where you could actually find some yield. But maybe the fixed income analysts out there have a different uh, take on it because, again, it's not just a spread you're looking at also. You're looking at, you have to cache this against a potential recession here in Singapore if that happens. Not a lot of people, uh, people are holding off on, on saying that. The government has also mentioned that they're ready to step in with stimulus should things get any worse at the moment. Right. But uh, regardless, I mean, the 10-year yields are still looking looking rather he- healthy, especially given how low the the yield environment is at the moment. Well, okay. Property is another safe haven, especially here in Singapore. Now, one of the interesting things that you pointed out right before the microphones came on was there were some results coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were putting them together. We were going to try to put them together. Oxley and Wingtie. Yeah, I mean, uh, do I call them the magic eights or the uh, <laughs> or the uh, or the deflated eights? Um, that's because both Wingtie and Oxley saw quarterly profits fall by more than eighty percent each, and Wingtie having a slightly worse w- worse fiscal fourth quarter. They actually saw fourth quarter net profit uh, qu- profits for their for, uh, fiscal fourth quarter, which is April to June, mm-hmm. fall by 86 percent. Revenues also fell by about 41 percent for Wingtie, and they uh, and they said that it's it's and they said mainly due to the absence of one-off gains from this after they disposed um, of a subsidiary co- company, and they also said there were lower contributions from Wingtie properties in Hong Kong. Right. Now I know what people might be thinking: Is this because of the uh, because of it the going really. unrest, it, it shouldn't. Because again, this is from April to June, right. and if anything was affected, it must be just the the last two weeks of June, sure, when these protests started to ratchet up. Yeah. But but of course this this doesn't doesn't bode well for the next quarter. It doesn't bode well for the next quarter, and I think that's what we that's what folks should probably try to focus on mm-hmm. moving forward for Wingtie for Oxley Holdings. They saw net profits dive by eighty one percent to just about twenty five and a half million Singapore dollars for April to June as well. Revenues for Oxley though fell by fifty seven percent. So not looking too good for this pair of uh, of developers here um, that are based here in Singapore also. And uh, just doesn't something look to point like a out. very safe haven. 
doesn't look like an extreme, uh, a not, not like a like a very yeah. I would say it doesn't add to the uh, to to the safe the safety appeal that these two, <laughs> that this particular sector has. But uh, luckily, the REITs are still getting uh, getting, getting some quite love. A bump. And there's there's still some love. I think I think folks are, need to start becoming more careful. And, uh, and more picky when looking at REITs. This is something that many fund managers and investment analysts have actually said. Yes, we like the REITs, but you have to be picky. Terrence Wong of Azure sure. Capital has told us that in, in, the, past, uh, in the past two months. Um, uh, of, of, uh, investment managers from, uh, from the various houses also have sure. said the same thing. And they actually point out that industrial and commercial REITs might be your best bet at the moment when you're looking at this particular space. So, so perhaps worth a look, uh, look later on at how some of these REITs might do also. And if they can maintain their... their their dividend appeal also. All right. So the rest of the day, are we going to see this little back and forth, little up, little down, humplet Wednesday? You're seeing it now because we did say that we were slightly flat. We're now in the red, slightly. <laughs> oh, by, so, it's, it's a half point loss. But right. you're, you're seeing this tight trading range where we're just trading about a point, uh, about two points get above, up and down from this 3,067 level. Value turnover is not looking that inspiring still. It's about uh, 425 million Singapore mm-hmm. dollars in total trades. That is pretty hands. light at this it's pr- part of the day. It's rather light at this part of the day. But again, we've seen that the value turnover tends to pick up towards the last hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other, uh, just for instance, case in point, yesterday we thought that it was going to be rather thin and we ended with about 1.2 billion Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands and what all was coming that? towards the end we're not really sure what, what, what happened there I think it's also it's also it's not unusual to see cautious markets tend to come in with a lot of their activity towards the end of the day mm-hmm. or the start of the day so th- these are, could be some of the factors as, and just led, lends more evidence to the fact that folks are waiting on the sidelines and just being a little more cautious so far I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we stay around these particular if we just stay relatively flat at these particular levels and uh, up Face it, this again brings me back to what I started uh, market view with. This is the flattest hump I've, I've seen in a while. All right. So what do you think the rest of the week's going to be like? What are we looking for? Is there any big news for us? Okay. So looking forward to the weekend, if I can just open up my magic uh, makeshift calendar here. <laughs> uh, the, 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 I think the big thing we're going to be watching out for tomorrow and actually starts today is a number of the biggest banks in, I was going to say the biggest banks in China, but technically the biggest banks in the world now, they are releasing earnings as well. Mm-hmm. China Construction Bank. Um, I forget now if they're second or third largest in the world at this point. They, they tend to change positions right. a lot. Um, they're releasing later on this afternoon. That's going to be followed tomorrow by ICBC and Citic Bank, which who are, who are releasing the Bank of China on Friday also. And we'll be getting, we'll be getting uh, uh, also an update on the final second quarter GDP figures for the U.S. on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, and the survey at the moment is that they're expecting it to grow by about 1.9%. So that is a bit of a step back from, 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 the, from, the, fir- uh, from the first quarter. But let's not forget that uh, Singapore's GDP wasn't exactly that stellar either no. in the second quarter. So if, if you're a developed country and you're getting 1.9% at the moment in GDP growth, I'd say just take it at this point. Take it and have a coffee? Yeah, probably. You know? <laughs> and uh, and uh, watch your Twitter feed rather closely. <laughs> rather closely, yeah. Indeed. Okay, that was JP Ong. He'll be back on Money FM 89.3 for primetime from 4 p.m. with more market updates. This has been Market View on Workday Afternoon with me, Clarissa Montero, on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.